Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this morning, the gospel reading that we heard just a few moments ago. Especially verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, death is all around us. And Jesus says, do not weep. Apparently he hasn't been to the right seminar. The seminar which tells you what things you should say and what things you shouldn't say when people are dealing with grief. Come on, Jesus. You don't tell people not to cry. What in the world is going on here with regard to the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus? Let's go back a few months. On Easter Sunday and throughout the Easter season, we sang hymn 458, Christ Jesus lay in death strong's bands. Great Luther hymn. Verse 4 goes like this. It was a strange and dreadful strife when life and death contended. The victory remained with life. The reign of death was ended. Holy Scripture plainly saith that death is swallowed up by death. Its sting is lost forever. Alleluia. That's the message of Easter. That's the message that we sang and proclaimed at Easter. Death is over. Death has been conquered. Death has been swallowed up by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So what's the problem? Death is still all around us. When I was a kid, you turn on the TV and every day you got the death count from Vietnam. Today, you turn on the TV and you get the death count from the virus. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Death, death is a reality. Death is all around. And today we come into God's house and we hear this, this account, this miraculous account of Jesus raising someone from the dead. And we think, well, why doesn't Jesus do his miracle work now? Why doesn't he stop death, end death? My friends, he has. He does. And our Bible reading for today from Luke 7 gives us a preview 
a glimpse of what awaits us all. There are three times recorded for us in Scripture where Jesus gives us a glimpse or a preview of His victory over sin, death, and the grave. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Perhaps the most famous, the most familiar, is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And here we have this unnamed son from an unnamed widow in name. Jesus, the Lord and giver of life, teaches us that He is a God of life, not a God of death. But what about our eyes? What about our ears? What about my heart? Death always wins, doesn't it? We know that from our experience. Our experience teaches us that death is real. Whether it's your first pet or a loved one. Death is all around. Jesus confronts death as well. He enters into this city, this city called Nain, and there's a huge crowd. A huge crowd has gathered. Why? Because a young man has died. You ever notice that? When older people die, it's bad, it's sad, it's tragic, we mourn. But for the most part, it doesn't bother us near as much. Why? Well, they've lived a full life. Think of all that they've seen and experienced. But when someone dies young, it rocks our world. When someone dies young, Everybody is up in arms. That's not natural. It's not natural for people to die at an early age. Maybe it's just me. But that's what I have seen over 60 plus years of life. The funeral for the 90 year old is much more lightly attended than the funeral for the nine-year-old. My friends, death is not natural for anyone regardless of their age. Our God is a God of life. When God created Adam and Eve, he breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life, not the breath of death. God intended for people to live forever. If Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, they'd still be alive. Our God is a God of life. That all changed 
when our first parents disobeyed God and brought death and all of its consequences crashing down on us, crashing down on the whole world. And now, because sin is in the world, death is in the world. God has set the wages. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sins shall die. Why do young people die? Because they're sinners. Why do old people die? Because they're sinners. Why do evil people die? Because they're sinners. Why do good people die? Because they're sinners. It's amazing what we do with this fact. The fact that death is real and the fact that death is all around. For the most part, we just ignore it as much as we can. We ignore it and we pretend that God will make the one great exception when it comes to me. We use all kinds of words and phrases to mask the reality of death. She passed away. He moved on. We go to great extremes when someone dies to dress them up and fix their hair and makeup. Why? So they don't look quite so dead. One of the things that I have noticed and experienced is that when people come face to face with death, oftentimes there is a huge increase of guilt for some people. I should have seen it coming. I should have done something about it. Why didn't I visit more? Why didn't I call on the phone? We create all kinds of irrational guilt and feelings with regard to death. As if somehow we could have stopped it by our actions. My friends, this is an irrational way to look at the reality of death. To blame someone. To try to exact revenge. To be filled with guilt or anger. These things are not helpful. They fester and they grow inside of us. And they become like a cancer in and of themselves, eating at our faith from the inside out. No. God 
has linked guilt and death together in a very different way. The day that you eat of it, Genesis 3, is the day you will surely die. When we get sick, as we get older and the reality of our own mortality is around us, when a family member or a friend dies, God wants us to repent of our sin. It is a reminder that we are sinners and that we cannot save ourselves. And physically, we can do nothing to preserve or extend or even add one minute to this mortal life. In the words of our text from Luke chapter 7, we see what Jesus thinks of death. There's this huge crowd. It's a tragic scene. A widow who is dependent upon her son for her livelihood, for her existence. This son dies. The whole town has turned out. Have you ever been to a funeral where there is real wailing and gnashing of teeth going on? I have. Generally, it's in tragic situations like this where a young man or a young woman has left behind a family and the whole family, the whole town is beside themselves. That's what Jesus encounters here. When the Lord sees what is going on, what happens? He has compassion. He has compassion. We're not talking about, oh, you know, he really felt bad and then he moved on. His compassion moved him into action. He poured out his heart. When we are suffering the effects of sin, illness, death, broken relationships, all of the things that are the direct result of sin in our life, Jesus looks at us. Jesus looks at you. And he has compassion. And that means, in his compassion, he acts. Seems almost strange how he acts, doesn't it? He looks to the woman and says, do not weep. He missed that Dale Carnegie course on what to say. My friends, he was not offering some pious platitude so that he could move on, as we so often do. There are powerful words that come from the mouth of Jesus. When Jesus says, do not weep, he's not giving her a command, he's giving her a promise. When he says, do not weep, he is telling her that he is going to take away the reason 
for her weeping. Then he came up and touched the bier. In modern day language, he came up and touched the casket. The words of Jesus are connected to the touch of Jesus. Jesus goes up and touches the casket. You see what's happened here? Life touches death. Righteousness touches sin. The law says that you couldn't touch a dead body or a casket. Because if you touched a dead body or a casket, you immediately became ceremonially unclean. Doesn't Jesus know the word of God? Doesn't Jesus know the law? Well, of course he does. Jesus touches the casket and instead of him becoming unclean, Jesus, the clean one, takes away the uncleanness. Jesus takes away the sin. Jesus takes away the death. Jesus' powerful word and Jesus' compassionate touch teaches us that He is a God of life, not a God of death. He says, Young man, I say to you, arise. And by the power of Jesus' words, the dead man sits up. The dead man is given back to his mother. Fear sees them all. <laughs> Can you imagine what would seize you if you went to a funeral and the dead body sat up and started talking? Fear, amazement, joy. <clears throat> Praise to God. My friends, our experience tells us that death always wins and that death has the last word. God's word teaches us that Jesus, the Lord of life, Jesus, the very word of God in the flesh, Jesus has the last word. Jesus, it is finished. He is risen. Word is God's life-giving word for you today. Jesus, the sinless Son of God. Jesus, who committed no sin. Jesus pays your wages. He becomes your substitute. He dies your death on Calvary's cross. Jesus died, even though he was completely innocent. Jesus died freely and willingly. Jesus 
stone cold dead, is buried. There is wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. A young man, innocent, has been put to death in the most wicked, painful way. My friends, death does not win. Life wins. On the day that we call Easter, Jesus, who was dead, is now alive. He overcomes sin, death, and the grave for you. Once and for all. Because Jesus lives, you live. Because Jesus lives, you can live a life free from fear. Because your greatest enemy has been defeated. Listen to the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In the great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. My friends, by the perfect life, obedient resurrection, and glorious resurrection of Jesus from the dead, your victory has been set, sealed, and is complete. Good Friday and Easter have been delivered to you in the baptismal font. You are robed in the righteousness of Christ. Those who are in Christ will live forever. My friends, you want to live instead of die? I do. Maybe you do too. If you want to live instead of die, then go to where the word and touch of Jesus Christ are. God promises that wherever his word is proclaimed in its truth and purity, wherever his gifts are administered according to the command and promise of God, there he is with his word and touch of life. This is my body. This is my blood. Your sins are forgiven. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My friends, these are God's words of life for you. 
And they are powerful words. Yes, we've all earned the wage of death. But Christ Jesus has given you the gift of eternal life. And his gift of life gives us confidence, drives away all fear, and frees us to live and live to the full. Verse 5 of that Luther hymn that we sang last Easter and all throughout the Easter season. Here now, our true Paschal Lamb we see, whom God so freely gave us. He died on the accursed tree, so strong his love to save us. See, his blood now marks our door. Faith points to it. Death passes o'er, and Satan cannot harm us. Alleluia. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.